You are listening to the Theologizing at Remedy podcast, a podcast of Remedy Church in Rock Hill, South Carolina. The design of the podcast is to help the people at Remedy Church connect theology with community, mission, and care. All right. It has been a time and a half, but welcome to another podcast of Theologizing at Remedy, uh, abbreviated as TAR, because you know it's good and healthy for you. TAR. Um, I'm... Chris Miller, pastor here at Remedy Church. Uh, I've got beside me Fudd, also a pastor at Remedy Church. Yes. Um, and we're going to talk about something that we both looked at each other and we're kind of, uh, we were kind of like, how have we not done this already? Uh, but today's main question or prompt is, what is the mission of the church? What is the mission of the church? That, that's a big question. So let me say this before we we jump in, Um, because when we say the mission, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's pretty obvious. And it's a whole lot more complex than that. And we actually don't think that it is. So this isn't just coming from a simplistic idea and view of the mission of the church should just be this. Um, I've been thinking about it for over five years uh, in depth and reading it. And so... We are familiar, and we have done readings and discussions on uh, the bigger ideas. I should say this. We are going to do a podcast after this about one kingdom versus two kingdom theology. And so we think that that's important to discuss one kingdom versus two kingdom and how Keller and Bruce Ashford and uh, Van Drunen and Luther— these are one kingdom versus two kingdom people and how that all shapes out and really how one kingdom versus two kingdom theology informs what exactly is the mission of the church. What are we supposed to be doing? Uh, But we thought before we talk about one kingdom, two kingdom and the dangers and pitfalls and knowing where you believe there, um, we thought it'd be much easier to start with what's the mission of the church? Because if you can establish what's the mission of the church, then I think you can step into the one kingdom versus two kingdom discussion easier. And so once we know what what's the what is the mission of the church, going into that next discussion makes it easier. So before we did a one kingdom versus two kingdom theology podcast, we thought it would be better to start with what's the mission of the church. Yeah, yeah. Um and again, uh very basic but can be complex if you let it. Massively uh, complex. But today what we're trying to do is we're trying to as best as we can put key scriptural texts in front of you that tell you point blank what the mission of the church is. Right. And then that helps you understand what is not the mission of the church. Right. Per se. Yeah. All right. So how about we, let me give, let me give some purposes of the church. This is Wayne Grudem, Systematic Theology. Uh, he gives a kind of threefold well, first, purpose. First, what is the church? Ooh, go that level. Well, there's a podcast right. that we did called Ecclesiology Part 1. And a Part 2. And in Part 1, we talked about the universal church versus the local church. Um, universal church being everyone... Uh, that's a Christian. That's a Christian believing in Jesus, right? Everyone that's a Christian... Uh, is a part of the body of Christ, the church. For all time. For all time, for all history. Mm-hmm. Um, some are 
currently with Christ because mm-hmm. they've died, mm-hmm. and some are currently on earth. And that church is not mixed. There's only believers, mm-hmm. right? And then we talked about the distinguishment or the distinction between that and the local church. A local church is a group of people who profess to believe Christ, mm-hmm. who gather together on the Lord's Day, Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, to worship the Lord and to hear his word proclaimed, to pray his word, to sing his word, and to see his word in the sacraments or the ordinances. Ordinances. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Ordinances. Sorry, Fudd. Um, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Right. Now, that the local church can be mixed because you can have someone who proclaims to be Jesus, uh, Jesus follower but is not. Uh, but or just someone that shows up that day that knows they're right. right. Or, yeah, just an unbeliever who comes because they were invited or whatever it is. But the church is God's people. Yeah. To do, and, and when you talk about the church, it's the, it's the bride of Christ, the God's people that are tasked by God to do a mission. Yeah. And, and Which we'll get to. What is the mission? And it's important. Go back and listen to Ecclesiology Part 1. Uh, the difference between local and universal. It's important to know that the New Testament predominantly speaks about the local church. Correct. It's like a um, hundred times it uses it, and ninety are talking about the local, and the other ten are universal. And maybe a, like a good summary principle would be the way that one proves their membership to the universal church is via their membership to a local church. Uh, you cannot. You cannot. Yeah. You cannot. Um, you cannot belong to the the universal body of Christ, and then on one hand, and then on the other hand, uh, not belong to a body of Christ uh, that meets locally. Ed Stetzer says, "You can't love Jesus and hate his wife." Right now, there might be some irregular times, like you might sure. be in a persecuted country or or whatever, where public gatherings or even private gatherings are small or uh, few, but that's irregular, uh, biblically speaking. Uh, a Christ follower meets publicly or privately with a local uh, church gathering. Um, all right, so that's a little bit of a synopsis of the church. So let me give this Grudem stuff. This is from Systematic Theology. Grudem gives three purposes of the church, and he says it this way. He says it's a uh, ministry, purpose number one, ministry to God, mm-hmm. which he could summarize as worship. Right. Number two, ministry to believers which he says nurturing, but we could call it, in a sense, discipling, discipleship. discipleship. Yeah. And then number three, ministry to the world, which is evangelism. Now, he also adds mercy to that. Mm-hmm. So mercy ministries, uh, feeding the poor, taking care of the poor, right. uh, alongside of evangelism. So those are uh, kind of a threefold purpose statement given uh, by Grudem. From systematic theology. From systematic theology. And let's just go ahead and say, you, whoever's listening, you could say, why did he go to Grudem rather than the Bible? Well, all three of those are in the Bible. So all Grudem did is just take all the texts that talk about what would be the purpose of the church, put it together. And as he put them all together, he saw, oh, look at this. As I organize all these texts together, there seems to be three things that the church, or three purposes of the church when they, whenever they are being the church. One is to worship God. Two is to disciple each other. Three is to go and do the work of evangelism slash mercy. Well, let, let me give this to us. Uh, we just preached through Colossians, just finished it, um, right? And uh, so let's, let's do it this way. Worship. Uh, Colossians 3.16, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Um, 
with thankfulness in your hearts to God. All right, so there's Colossians. Uh, discipleship, uh, put on Christ, right? Uh, Colossians 1.28, present every man mature in Christ. That's one of the, mm-hmm. the fundamental aspects of the local church at Colossae. Mm-hmm. And then we could go to evangelism and ministry to the world. Uh, Paul <laughs> tells him in Colossians 4, pray for me that a door may be open, that the word of God might be proclaimed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at, at the heart of it, right, and Epaphras is from Colossae, and he's working alongside Paul doing what? Proclaiming God's word to the lost. Yep. He, uh, he heard Paul presumably heard Paul and heard the gospel in some way, probably from Paul, and then went back to Colossae and proclaimed the gospel himself. Right. Yeah. And to, then believers to were, a city that didn't know Jesus. Yeah. And then the believers were gathered into a church. Correct. Yeah. So we see all three of those aspects. That's just Colossians. Right. We could go through every book in the New Testament and probably find those three aspects for the church. Right. So we just wanted to let you know that those three purposes of the church, though they come from Grudem, are thoroughly biblical. Right. So if that's what, – what is the church and what is the purpose, then the way that we do those three purposes, it, I think, is given to us in the Great Commission. So what is the mission of the church? It's just what we say at the end of the service every Sunday together. I'm going to read it. This is Matthew 28, 18. We believe that this would be what would be the mission of the church. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Uh, last thing Jesus said to his disciples, Chris would argue that it was at a church service. <laughs> um, so I think that this is the mission of the church. I think the mission of the church is making disciples. And when you make disciples... Uh, if you grew up in Baptist life, you just think that means do evangelism. Uh, making a disciple can be uh, strengthening a believer and proclaiming the gospel to an unbeliever. Making a disciple is both. Well, like, look at this. Uh, I mean, let's go through that threefold again. Uh, Matthew twenty-eight, seventeen, And when they saw him, Jesus, they worshipped him. Right. Now, there were some doubters. Uh, but Purpose one, worship There's purpose God. one, worship. Uh, now he says, all authority on heaven and earth is uh, given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Make disciples is the controlling verb. Right. Go, baptize, and teach. Everything are else are that, pa- participles. Right. They're just describing that. And so look at that. Baptizing. Well, what do you You, you baptize someone when they, you, they hear the gospel, they believe in Jesus, mm-hmm. they make a confession that Jesus is Lord, and they get baptized mm-hmm. predominantly in a local church, right? Right. Uh, even a part of discipleship is baptism. Yeah. So, so, so already you've got evangelism highly uh, implied at, at least in that, in that idea of you're it's spreading even, it to it's the— explicit. Yeah, it's explicit even. Making disciples is preaching the gospel to the nations. And then our third-fold purpose, uh, evangelism—or sorry, uh, discipleship, you see it in teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Mm-hmm. There's an ongoing aspect. You're not just— one and done, you believe in Christ, but from that point on, you're in this relationship with them that you're going to be nurtured to produce an obedience that comes from faith in Christ, mm-hmm. uh, obedience to all that Jesus has commanded. So you see all three, evangelism, nurturing, discipleship, worship, Matthew 28. Um, so that's the mission of the church, the Great Commission. So 
Let me ask some questions here, okay. if that's the mission of the church. Uh, what about mercy ministries? Because we, we saw that Grudem put evangelism and mercy. Um, what, what, what do you do with when someone says something along the lines of uh, me going out and helping uh, the, I don't know, we could say g- going to a Sunday town hall meeting where we appeal to our governors to stop abortion or um, to stop some unjust law. That, that's part of the mission of the church. Like someone says that, right? Right. What do, what do you do with that? Um, so um, I'm, I'm reading a book called, from a book called, What is the Mission of the Church? Kevin DeYoung, Greg Gilbert. This is what they say. Excellent book, by the way. You should read it. They finally, in, at page 62, give the mission of the church, which Chris and I just decided, if you're going to write a book, state in the very first page what you think. This book is called What is the Mission of the Church? And it's very good. But page 62 is where they actually say the mission of the church <laughs> is to go into the world and make disciples by declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit and gathering these disciples into churches that they might worship the Lord, obey his commands, now and in eternity to the glory of God the Father. You hear the three purposes in that. Right. Um, so uh, when you t- start talking about what's the mission of the church, to answer your question, um, you have to think about what do you mean when you say the mission of the church and what is their responsibility. Um, no one's going to proclaim the gospel other than the church. No one. Um, and so what's the mission of the church? The church is primarily, the church's mission primarily is to go make disciples of all nations. So when we think of the church as an institution, the people part of, let's just say, Remedy Church, like that's an, in a sense, that's an institution. God has told us to make disciples of all the nations. Um, but God has not told us to transform spheres of society and uh, bring them into a knowledge of his kingdom so that they reflect the coming kingdom. He has not told that. Now, as individual Christians living our lives, uh, obeying the first and second greatest commandment to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors ourselves, if we go and do those things, that is amazing. Yep. That's awesome. And th- that is, I, I would say, something that Christians should do. But I, I'll say, say, God has uniquely gifted each Christian and put a desire in each Christian to do a lot of those types of things. So the, the sticky part is where Christians that are doing that look at the other Christians and say, you should be doing this particular thing with me or else you're not doing the mission of the church. And I would say, well, you know, maybe God's burdened them to do another thing that's a way to love their neighbor. Um, but all those things collectively still are not making disciples. Because while you're there, you should also tell them the gospel so they get saved. Um, Piper's, I don't know where I heard this. I just know John Piper said this, and it's so so poignant. Like, if mercy ministries is the the end and not a means, then all you've done is air-condition them 
for life for 70 years, Mm -hmm. but they still go to hell forever and burn. And so mercy ministries are always a means and not an end. So, um, and it's real easy to make it an end because helping people doesn't cause them to dislike you. Right. Um, but we know that in Second Corinthians, the gospel, Paul writes that the gospel for those that are being saved is great. It's the aroma of life. But for those that aren't being saved, it's the aroma of death. So whenever you do a nice thing, they like you. But then you tell, tell them the gospel. If they are not being saved, all of a sudden they don't like you because you've just brought the aroma of death. And then they don't like you anymore. No one likes to be disliked. So yeah. um, the key is whenever you do those mercy ministries, you still have to uh, proclaim the gospel. So what's the mission of the church? While doing those good works, proclaim the gospel because the gospel is what saves them. Yeah. Uh, I think that's probably the key is – you had a you had a you had a distinction that you made before we started recording this, Chris. Versus, I think I can't remember the two words: priority versus holistic holism. Yeah. Holism. Yeah, yeah. So, I think that's key because if you get the if you get the mission of the church wrong, um, it it has implications and it can change the gospel, right? So, yes, the gospel uh, saves us. It restores our relationship to God. It puts us in a right relationship with God. And then, of course, it has horizontal um, consequences. Uh, we love our neighbors. Uh, we're brought into a church with other people. Uh, there's, you know, there's all those things. But, like, when the, if the mission of the church is to make disciples, and we can ask simple questions, right? Well, how does one get saved? Well... Uh, they have to believe in Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, how does one believe in Jesus Christ? Well, they have to hear about Jesus Christ. Right. Well, how do they hear about Jesus Christ? Well, someone has to tell them about Jesus Christ. So th- this is the Romans 10 logic, right? Romans 10 says, uh, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching, proclaiming. Right. And how are they to preach unless they're sent? Uh, so very simply put, the way that we are saved is by believing in the gospel that is proclaimed to us. Right. And let me just be explicit. Here is the gospel, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that who was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. First Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, where Paul expressly writes what the gospel is. Which, by the way... Most, if not, I'm not going to say all, but most biblical scholars look at 1 Corinthians 15. It is the oldest piece of tradition we have in the New Testament. It goes back within, some date it back within 10 years of Christ. It's one of the earliest things that we have of the church, right? The gospel, Mm -hmm. uh, because it's part of the mission. Mm -hmm. Um, So, all right, so let's talk about holism and prioritism. This goes back to something called the Lausanne Conference. It's a it's a conference where a bunch of internationally all the different church <laughs> leaders from different countries all come together and they decide. Essentially, they're asking the question: What is the mission of the church, and how can we best carry out the mission of the church? Mm-hmm. And this was you know 2008 ish. I was still a, a youngling in college, 
And I he remember also had one in the seventies too, I think. Yeah, yeah, that was uh Sky um wrote wrote Stott? commentary Stott, John Stott, yeah. yeah. Billy Graham was also involved and mm-hmm. was on conferences. But in the two thousand eight one, the saying of the conference was this that we take the whole gospel to the whole world. Mm. And what they introduced is actually you can't what... can't argue with that, right? Yeah, yeah, it sounds, sounds good. good. You don't want to take part of the gospel. <laughs> we don't. absolutely 100% agree with that. Yeah. And, and what they kind of introduced is actually what Grudem's touching on here in his third purpose, evangelism and mercy. Right. So evangelism is the proclamation of the gospel. Mercy mm. isn't proclamation of the gospel. It's something else. Good works. Yeah, it's good works, it. right? It's not proclamation of the gospel. Now, what this Lausanne conference did was they wanted to take the gospel and make it a pie. And one slice of the pie was proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ, what you just read in mm-hmm. 1 Corinthians 15, mm-hmm. evangelism. Mm-hmm. Another slice of the pie was taking care of the poor. Mm-hmm. Another slice of the pie was fighting for justice amongst you know mm-hmm. you know governments or laws or whatever it is. Sure, uh, and you know you can keep going on the different mercy ministries. So you take the whole pie. So pe- their problem is is right if Christians just go and take the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins. If they just take that, but they don't take this other stuff, mm-hmm. they're not taking the whole gospel. Mm-hmm. Well, right there you've got two things that are happening. First, the church's mission is being confused, and because the church's mission is being confused, the good news itself is now being watered down and confused and even joined with things that we would say are good, but they're not the good news. They're not the gospel. They can't save. Right. Uh, and uh, really, you can you can kind of see that. Uh, so here's kind of one way to think of it. A prioritist is someone who says, all these things are good. They're not the gospel. All the good works are good. They're all good, but they're not the gospel. The priority priority is sharing the gospel. It's gospel proclamation. It always has to be the number one priority priority of the believer and the church. And the holist says, no, do it all. Uh, Stott's book, I can't remember the name of it. I read it five or six years ago. Yeah, his his, his illustration was the the plane or the bird. You know, like one left, the left wing is the gospel. The right wing is... um, Good works. Good works. And so the mission of the church, the plane won't fly or the bird won't fly without two wings. And so the mission of the church is to have both. Um, And so these these metaphors, though, can break down. Like, And it still seems like I get what you're saying, right? But in order for someone to be saved and go to heaven forever is repentance and faith. And so they need to hear (laughs) they need to hear the gospel. Right. They need to hear the good news of what Jesus did. Well, and Stott, you know, back in the 80s with the Lausanne, is part of what I'm talking about. Like, that idea then led to the 2000s mm-hmm. in which full sail when you accept that idea that – think about the plane analogy, right? That means gospel proclamation is equal. Equal. Equal value to good works. I just don't think that's the uh, case. In, in, in which it's just not what we see – uh, in the New Testament, we see Paul always proclaiming the gospel. Now, good works are a fruit of it. Right. And so uh, we're not against transformation. We're not against societal transformation. Right. The if churches any, don't hear that this podcast don't hear that what we're saying is therefore just share the gospel and never do good works. That That is the literal furthest from the uh, what we're trying to say. Yeah. We're saying, please do good works, but always share the gospel. Yeah. When doing it. And it's the mission of the church to do that, to, right. to, to share the gospel. So 
if you take the gospel and put it on the same level as these other things, my argument would be eventually <clears throat> the, the declaration gospel, of the gospel. Yeah, eventually the gospel is confused and then watered down. It, it's it's confused and then another generation later, it's lost. It's yeah. gone. Yeah, the and uh, D. A. Carson. D. A. Carson. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, mission. So prioritism. They just put the priority on the gospel proclamation. A whole list says, no, the gospel is just it's a slice of the pie. Um, in which, uh, again, the argument then is you start to confuse the gospel. You start even saying the, gospel, the whole gospel, right? Mercy, mercy works. Feeding the hungry is part of the gospel. Well, that's confusing at best. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say... Uh, if you say that the feeding of the hungry is part of the gospel, you, you've misunderstood the gospel because the gospel is the historical facts of Christ, as I just read in First Corinthians 15, of Christ dying uh, for sin, being resurrected. And so the gospel is what Christ has done. Like, you, you're, you're, you're confusing law and gospel at that point because... Law makes demands, and gospel uh, tells you what has been done. Well, let me put it this way, too. Uh, Galatians 2, um, when Paul is describing going before uh, James, Peter, and John, the pillars, quote-unquote, of the church, uh, and he's, he's sharing the gospel with them, what he has received from Christ, and they're basically extending the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and Paul, and this is what they say. Only they asked us to remember the poor. But note what Paul says here. The very thing I was eager to do. Now, right. here, here's the important thing here. Paul was all about proclaiming Christ. I mean, read the book of Acts. The church is always proclaiming Christ. He's always proclaiming Christ, even at his detriment, even when it's not transforming society, even when it's actually turning society into beasts, right? They're rioting and they're picketing and they're trying to come after Paul for preaching the gospel. But note here, he says, the very thing I was eager to do. Here's the here's way of saying it is, we will be eager to do good works if we believe in Jesus Christ. Uh, he changes our nature to love the law, and part of the law is loving our neighbor as ourself. And so it will be something we are eager to do. But when we take the gospel proclamation, the thing that causes that, that eagerness when we take that and we equate it with it, we lose the very thing that creates the eagerness. And so the argument would be we'll eventually lose good works. We'll eventually right. lose mercy ministries, all those things. So what's the mission of the church? The mission of the church is gospel proclamation. Here, here's another way to maybe think about making sure you don't confuse those things. This is Calvin from his institutes talking about uh, doing – now I'm reading, a, I'm reading from a footnote of – uh, the church for by Mark Dever, but he he footnotes Calvin in, in the Institutes, and he makes a really good point. Um, so he's talking about these idea of doing good works, other matters like uh, the church's concern for education, politics, and mercy ministries um, are proper concerns for Christians to have, but the church itself is not the structure for addressing such concerns. They are the proper concern of Christians in schools and government and other structures of society. In fact, if such concerns came to be the focus of the church, they could potentially distract the church from its main and unique responsibility, that of living out and proclaiming the gospel. Yeah. And, and so, uh, 
What chapter is that from? And that's in chapter eight. It's in a footnote, but um, page eighty-one. But it's just so key to make sure that those things don't get confused. So, what is the mission of the church? The primary mission of the church, that's us as believers in Christ, is to go and make disciples through proclaiming the good news of Jesus, that he came, died the death that we, um, we all deserved for us on our behalf as our substitutionary atonement. And if by faith and repentance you trust in his good work, you repent of your faith, you repent, I'm sorry, you repent of your sins and believe in him, you can be saved, forgiven, and now made a part of his family. And that is the primary work of the church is to tell the world that. And that can sometimes transform culture into better than it was, and sometimes it doesn't. Right. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, I mean, what is it, 10 of uh, 11, 10 of the 12 original apostles, right, were killed. I think it was 11. Just John got to live. Yeah. Well, Judas wasn't persecuted. Well, Judas killed himself. Yeah. You're, right. You're right. So 10, 10 of the 12 followers of Christ from the beginning were killed by their governments. John was still tortured. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so real quick, you were reading from the church. Mm-hmm. There's a chapter in the church mm-hmm. that is particularly focused on the mission of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what is that chapter? It's, he, by the way, he's referencing the church by Mark Dever. Yeah. Um, so... Chapter 7 and chapter 8 are the two. Yeah, chapter so, 7 is the purpose of the church. Chapter 8 is the hope of the church. And so if you're wanting more on this, go read Devers the Church, chapter 7 and 8. And then also, if you want more of a, like, if you want to look at some texts, like you're thinking of some biblical texts that seem to insinuate the mission is beyond what we said, uh, take Kevin DeYoung's book, um, what is the mission of the church? Yeah, what is the mission of the church? And, Greg Gilbert. And uh, in it, there are two chapters that are really, 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 really good, and they just focus on Scripture. So if you look at chapter 6 and chapter 7, it actually dis- it's, it's – uh, chapter 6 is making sense of social justice, and it takes all the texts that people use to essentially try to do what the Lausanne Conference did, mm-hmm. take the whole gospel to the whole – world, uh, mm-hmm. make mercy ministry equal with gospel proclamation. He takes texts that are popularly used, and he exposits them. He says, what do these texts mean? What did the author mean when he said these texts? And then in chapter 8, or sorry, chapter 7, he takes those same texts and he applies them to, like, modern day. Mm-hmm. And both of those chapters are just worth, you know, I would say worth their weight in gold, but they probably don't weigh that much. They're worth more than their weight in gold. Well, uh, it's important to understand the scriptures, right? right? Like to not proof text, but to actually understand what the author meant when he wrote his text to the original audience, um, because that's where the meaning is. And right. then you know how to apply it, um, which is a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast one day, expositional preaching. Um, but... Uh, we wanted to start with this before we went to One Kingdom, Two Kingdom, because One Kingdom, Two Kingdom um, is huge. And if you don't even know what we're talking about, you can look it up. Uh, you probably guessed that we're Two Kingdom by now. Um, but we're not just uh, saying that without having thought about it massively uh, and really um, 
try to read everybody we can and understand the implications of it, and but also in light of what the scriptures are telling us. I mean, before we made this this podcast earlier today, Chris made this. I think, I mean, he kept coming back to it, and then I get the point that he's trying to make. It's it's profound, right? If transforming spheres of society was such an important thing for the church to be doing, just show in the book of Acts where Paul made that the priority, or even Jesus in the Gospels. <laughs> I mean, considerably, like the time that they lived in, the government that, li- that they lived in is unbelievably more oppressive than what we could th- even think the ones that we live in today, right? The Roman government was vicious. Um, right. When did they say it's the church's job to transform the sphere of government into uh, replicating, adorning the gospel or adorning the kingdom of Christ? It, they, they did not seem to do that at all. Right. The, the model of the apostolic church in Acts is gospel proclamation and worship of God and discipleship, which is that returning us to that threefold purpose. And so to land this one-winged plane, yeah, so there's a stop pun. I got it. Um, That's a good one. Let's, let's, let's talk about community mission and care at Remedy, how okay. the mission of the church relates to community mission and care at Remedy. What is the mission of the church, and how does that relate to community mission and care? Yep. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I think that's exactly – like, community mission and care is designed around the three purposes of the church. So what is mission of the church? It's to do those things, right? It's to be a community um, centered around the gospel that cares for each other mm-hmm. because we're making disciples of each other. So there's the nurture. Um, it's also – the mission of the church is to care for each other, um, to love each other to gospel, quote-unquote, each other, remind us who we are in Christ so that uh, we don't feel defeated um, by our day-in, day-out shortcomings or failures of living in light of who we already have been proclaimed, Philippians 3.16. But also mission, like community mission and care. Like the mission part is, what is the mission? It's to make disciples. It's day-in, day-out whenever you're walking through life and you're interacting with your neighbor or... um, the people in your kid's sports team or, or your job or whatever, you know, like get to know that person, love them, care for them, but also talk about what is the most important thing in your life. And that should be Jesus, right? That the fact that you've been saved by Christ, like he wants us to tell people about who he is and what he's done. Yeah. So like, again, community and care fall right under the ministry to believers, the discipleship, nurture, mm-hmm. mission, falls right under ministry to the world evangelism. Um, for the glory of God. And then for the, the glory of God is worship. It's all under right. that. And, I mean, we could really just end with Piper quote, right? Um, mission exists because, because worship, worship doesn't. doesn't. And we could even add to that quote, dare I say, discipleship exists because worship doesn't. Hmm. Um, it all, like, we are doing these things ultimately so that we will worship God. Yeah, that quotes, by the way, like the first sentence of Let the Nations Be Glad uh, in John Piper's book on missions. Yeah, which is basically just Psalm, what, 67? The whole thing. Yeah, um, I think it's 67. So yeah, I think it all returns back to worship, just like on Matthew 28, uh, when they gather together, uh, they're worshiping him. Yeah. All right, so we one day... We'll do one kingdom, two kingdom. Yes. 
we need to be able to uh, articulate the One Kingdom theology as fairly as possible. And we've been reading, I've been reading, we've been studying, but that's coming soon. But we thought before we do that, it would be really smart to just from the beginning make sure we understand what's the mission of the church. So hopefully it was really smart. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We will see you next time on Theologizing at Remedy. Do, 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 do.